Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Overall, with the cases, mm-hmm. I feel that in the public eye, we should be more aggressive, but that doesn't mean that I'm somehow going to turn against the other defendants or turn against NAR. That there's, there's no possibility of that happening whatsoever. Uh, so I know that I might be pushing the limits a little bit with some of the things that I'm stating, but I really don't care because someone has to stand up for our industry. And, and if folks that are at the top of the organizations that are defending it don't want to because they're concerned about potential legal ramifications. That's their choice, but I have my choice too. And I'm not going to sit around and let us be called the cartel and hear all of these things that frankly drive me crazy and just sit back and take it. I, I, I think it's wrong. They're doing it to get the media to bite. You know, when you speak boldly, the media bites. Look at us right now. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Senior Director of Data and Content, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, secrets to success, and lessons they've learned navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt. I'm the Senior Director of Data and Content for HousingWire. And today I have Anthony Lamakia. He is the CEO and founder of Lamakia Companies, as well as a Real Trends Game Changer, um, which we recognize brokerages for five-year transaction side percentage growth. So welcome to the podcast, Anthony. Thank you for having me on, Tracy. I, I appreciate it. It's nice to see you. It's good to see you too. So we just have to start by talking. You've had some crazy videos lately. And by crazy, <laughs> I, I'm saying that in a good way. Yes. Um, <laughs> but first, I want I want to explain the series because you have a Crush It in Real Estate series. Um, so so tell me a little bit about that first before we get into the the crazy part about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me let me just say so the two companies that I'm most known for is Lamakia Realty, mm-hmm. which is our uh, full service brokerage that serves all, pretty much all of New England and then South Florida, and then nationally I'm more known from Crutch It in Real Estate, which is a real estate training and coaching company uh, that we've had for I don't know about eight years. So a lot of the advice and things that I give for realtors and opinions that I put out in the business are done on the Crush It in Real Estate platforms. And that's uh, where I've been putting these videos out with respect to these cases. Um, Most recently, obviously, the Sitzer Burnett case. And funny enough, this is the one subject I have kept my mouth shut on (laughs) the whole time, which you know for me is not exactly easy. But um, as the Sitzer Burnett case was getting started and I started seeing articles and things with these comments that Michael Ketchmark was putting out there, my frustration boiled to a point that I said, I'm not going to sit back and just continue to watch the plaintiff side, uh, not the plaintiffs, but their counsel. And, and Ketchmark is obviously the ringleader. 
Uh, he's, he's, I hate to admit it, but he's obviously a skilled trial attorney. I hate to watch them just throwing mud at our industry to, to obviously help the optics of their case with not that many people on our side really swinging back. And I'm not shy about swinging back in any context. And that's why I started doing the videos and they've obviously caught on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you've been very vocal about how you feel. And I, I want to talk to you about why you're so passionate about it and um, why you chose to speak when others haven't. Like, are you concerned? Um, you know, do you tell me a little bit about because I know you've run a lot of this through your attorneys as well. So talk to me about your passion for it. And some of the some of the things that you have highlighted in your videos that you um, felt like wasn't being represented by our industry. Yeah, there's really two things I've been doing. I mean, you know from seeing them, I've, I've picked apart parts of the cases, but I've really honed in on articles that are wrong. And I've also hold, honed in on comments out of Catchmark. And th those are the two things that I've been going, uh, really jumping on. And I, I'm, I'm obviously giving my general counsel, you know, uh, some nervous feelings or anxious feelings, but he and I talk daily. We have a good relationship. He's very blunt with me and between him and my uh, senior advisor, who's been in the business uh, longer than uh, a lot longer than me, we, we discuss what I'm going to be going over. I tell them, I show them the material. They also send me materials and then I film and then they both watch it and I watch it and we make sure we're comfortable and make sure we're not uh, helping the plaintiffs in any way, shape or form, make sure that we're not, um, throwing down NAR or any of the other defendants, you know, the, the other defendants, they are my competitors, but Tracy, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for them. Yeah. They caved. They said, we're going to fight. And they went to the fight and I still commend them for it. And it's obviously easy for everyone, myself included to Monday morning quarterback this and say, well, they should have did this. They should have did that. And heck I've been vocal about what I feel, um, you know, overall with the cases, mm -hmm. I feel that in the public eye, we should be more aggressive, but that doesn't mean that I'm somehow going to turn against the other defendants or turn against NAR. That there's, there's no possibility of that happening whatsoever. Uh, so I know that I might be pushing the limits a little bit with some of the things that I'm stating, but I really don't care because someone has to stand up for our industry. Okay. Someone has to. And, and if folks that are at the top of the organizations that are defending it don't want to because they're concerned about potential legal ramifications. That's fine. That's their choice. But I have my choice too. And I'm not going to sit around and let us be called the cartel and hear all of these things that frankly drive me crazy and just sit back and take it. I, I, I think it's wrong. I know why they're doing it. They're doing it to message properly, to get the media to bite. You know, when you speak boldly, the media bites. Look at us right now. <laughs> That's right. Tracy, Tracy, if I did my videos and I said, good afternoon, here is the verdict. I disagree. And I acted in a boring fashion. My videos would have five views and I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Right. So when you speak boldly and you speak out, you are naturally going to get more attention. The plaintiffs understand that led by Michael Ketchmark. I obviously understand that. And I've got no problem. Um, bumping up against Michael Ketchmark under the basketball hoop, as he put it. He said, most people don't want to bump up against me under the basketball hoop. You clearly are not scared to. And I said, no, I'm not. Well, we know, first of all, that you're anything but boring, and I can't even imagine you putting out a video like that anyway. 
So, yeah. um, but what, what do you think are, and, and I, this isn't to say what anybody has done wrong because I, you know, there's very, very smart people working for all of these companies who have been, um, you know, sued at this point. But what what do you think the message is? And, and it's not even them, really. What is the message that you feel like needs to be told to consumers right now so that they understand how the industry works? Well, number one, we're not colluding, okay? We're not, we're not pulling the wool over anybody's eyes, okay? And it frustrates me when they insinuate that. And one of my videos, I don't know if you remember, but I said, these people think we go to conferences. And we whisper to one another, you hold the line at X percent, you hold the line at Y, you know, X percent. And if we all hold the line, I've never, ever, ever heard, seen, been involved in, heard of a conversation like that. And I have been to, I don't even know how many industry conferences in 20 years, maybe 200. And I've never heard of such a thing. So that frustrates me. And when they put that argument aside, they also make the argument about the MLS and they poo-poo MLS and they say, oh, we shouldn't have the MLS. Well, what else should we have? If, if, if people's properties were just randomly put out on social media, then you would have a system where not everyone would get an equal opportunity to obtain a property. Not every buyer would get an equal opportunity. Not every buyer would be able to work with a realtor that gets an equal opportunity to show a property, right? So if we, if we didn't have it, they'd complain, the consumer advocates. We do have it, now they're complaining. And the other thing that's getting on my nerves a lot lately is this Consumer Federation of America, this Stephen Broback gentleman, who I've been pretty nice to in my videos, but I'm honestly getting a little tired of being nice because it's people like him and it's that organization. I don't know, let me take that back. I don't know that it was that organization specifically. It's organizations like that who back in the 90s were screaming from the rooftops that buyers didn't have any representation and buyers deserve representation. Why is every realtor working for the seller? So NAR works hard, works together because of some pressure from them, but also on their own to develop a buyer agency um, system, I guess you could call it. I don't know. They might catch me on that word. <laughs> catch Mark might try to catch me, right? I guess you could call it a system, but legitimate buyer agency where agents have got a fiduciary duty to do everything in the best interest of their buyer client. I came into this business in 04. When I came in, that was about five years after that started. And there were some still, there were still some folks in the business, that, the old timers at that time that didn't like it. And I said, I think this is great. Every yeah. buyer I ever worked with, I did everything I could in their best interest, right? So they picked that apart. And the Consumer Federation of America says, oh, this is the best example of colluding I've ever seen. And then this other guy, Dr. Shulman from Texas a this is a clear example of, of collusion. And then we find out Michael Ketchmark paid his uh, division of Texas A&M $1.7 million. And then he came in and said what Mike wanted him to say. Boy, that's a shock. And what I'm frustrated about is, why am I the one exposing these things? Why am I the one sounding off? Even right now, my blood pressure is going up just talking about it. Because it's just so incredibly frustrating that we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. And now there's all these articles, NAR is bad and this and that. It's driving me crazy, as you can tell. Well, I have been in the business since the 90s and Florida actually went through that dual agency is bad. We can't have this and um, changed their laws to come up with transaction brokerage. Um, 
So I do remember that push where buyers must be represented, they're not being represented, and they're being misled by the listing agent and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, so yeah, to me, it is interesting that now they're turning around and um, dismissing the entire practice that like was pushed and uh, and that before. And and I do think there is a misunderstanding by consumers. Are your agents hearing anything from their buyers and sellers, like any questions about the lawsuits or? They have heard and seen essentially zero pushback. I mean, it, I, I think out of, we have 560 agents. I think two have told me clients were like, well, well how does that work? I heard something in the news. It made me wonder if I should be doing that. And then it was over. So there's questions, no pushback, no real change in things. And, you know, Tracy, in a way, I, I, this occurred to me last week and I said it in one of my videos, all these articles that catch Mark. I mean, this guy has got the best PR firm. He must have seven PR firms. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's impressive. Yesterday, he's in USA Today, the Wall Street Journal last week, housing. I mean, you name it. They're writing articles, right? And they keep saying every realtor gets six percent, and they, then it's split three and three. And I read these articles, and I'm like, God, do I wish it was that easy? <laughs> but, but in a way, they're making it easier for realtors to get those amounts or get more, be just because of what they're they're pumping out in the media. Yeah, These agents that are selling homes for all different commissions, right? I, as the owner and as the leader, like any other leader, obviously attempt to train them to be able to justify their value and to be able to charge more. I don't back down from that, okay? Mm -hmm. But they charge different amounts. We get yeah. paid all different amounts when we're representing buyers. I mean, it, it's they're trying to make a mountain. What are they? What's the saying? A mountain out of a mobile. I mean, it's yeah. crazy to me. But when you got a jury that doesn't understand all the rules and you have a really good talking attorney, obviously the guy's a good talker on one side. And then you have a bunch of other lawyers who I'm sure some of them were good talkers, but clearly he was the better talker because he fooled the jury, but juries get fooled. OJ's walking around free. Casey Anthony was found not guilty. It happens. Yeah. Well, and um, I mean, the fact is, is I, you know, we've done studies at Real Trends with Harris Insights, and they have shown that, you know, consumers do know that commissions are negotiable. I, as a 30-year-old home seller, knew that, you know, commissions were negotiable. I worked with my agent, and we worked out, uh, you know, a commission that was was good for me and good for them. It wasn't a standard rate at all. Um and so it is interesting that all of a sudden there's this idea that, you know, of course you, you want to be, get your value. I think there's this misconception that because you can find properties online that you're doing the job, you know, a home buyer is doing the job of the buyer's agent. And they don't understand that there's so much more that goes into the transaction than finding the home even. Well, I, um, mentioned, I mentioned that in my last video, you know. Yeah. The amount of work normally over the last 20 years to actually find the home was probably 10 or 15% of the work. The last two or three years with excessively low inventory, maybe that percentage went up to 30. But there's so many other things. I mean, realtors get involved in everything with their clients to help them 
achieve home ownership. That's the other thing that drives me nuts. The Consumer Federation of America, all these consumer advocates, right? They, we want to have more affordable housing. We want buyers to, you know, more buyers to be able to achieve home ownership. And now they're making it harder for buyers. And I told Ketchmark that on the phone. He said to me, go ahead and tell me, what is the biggest thing I'm missing? I said, you're going to hurt buyers more than anything else. He said, do you really think so? And then we went into the conversation. But buyers are going to be hurt more than anybody, particularly the first-time buyers. It, it, it's, it's not fair to them. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Well, and I did want to go into your conversation because you did catch the attention of Ketchmark, um, the Sitzer attorney for the plaintiffs, and he did call you and you did do a video about that. But why don't you tell our audience a little bit about that phone call and how you felt it went, um, you know, with him? Well, I won't um, re-imitate my Missouri accent that I did at the beginning of my video to explain the call. I'll instead just explain, but I have to admit, he was a perfect gentleman. Uh, He was very professional and kind, and he was very, very overly complimentary to the point that I already went on the call thinking, what's he up to? Then when he was overly complimentary, and I mean, I've been hearing a lot of compliments about the videos, but it was over the top. I said to myself, what's he up to? Is he trying to drive a wedge between me and NAR? Michael, it's not happening, my friend. There's no chance of NAR and I uh, get driving a wedge between us. It's not. Yeah. Um, so you felt like it went overall, you know, basically you agreed to disagree. Yeah. Yeah. On every- on a, yeah, we did. And, you know, he was he was defensive, but kind in his mm-hmm. defense. And he, he just he basically went down a list of questions that he was supposed to get on stage at another industry event. And I was supposed to be the rebuttal. And he said, hey, I don't I didn't back down. And then he answered those questions. Then he brought up my videos and he started just randomly mentioning different points that I made in the videos and said, I want you to know this is how that really went or this is how that went. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Anthony, Anthony, you kept saying that all I talk about is money. All I talk about is money. I said, Michael, you do. I said, in the news, all you talk about is money. You talked about money in the, in the, in the courtroom and that enabled you to fool eight jurors. Right. And then he, oh, I didn't fool anyone, you know, and don't quote me on word for word there, but that's 90% version of, of the conversation. And so he was defending himself. Um, and I think, you know, as I said in my video, I suspect he was probably trying to show me he's not scared, which is a move that I do when we have problems with people. I'm known to do those kinds of things. Um, call, pick the phone up or just go head on. And I remember we had a problem a couple of years ago with someone who was saying that their basement was flooded and we were avoiding them. And um, I read all the emails and I, I said, Okay, we're obviously not avoiding it, but I can see why he's seeing it that way. So I called him on the phone. I said, I'll be at your house myself tomorrow morning at 7. I fly to Disney with my family at noon. I'll be at your house at 7 a.m. He goes, what? You're going to come to my house? I said, yeah. He goes, I wasn't expecting that after I've been publicly saying this and that. I said, no problem. Drove to his house 7 a.m., met him head on. That's my style, clearly Michael's style. 
Um, and, you know, conversation went on and on. It was 16 minutes. Okay. So another misconception that I did hear at the trial is that commissions are driving up the price of homes. And to me, you know, it's clear that the market sets the price of a home. Um, you know, the the state of the inventory, the state of the market, um, you know, what's your opinion on that? Okay. So classic example of people that don't understand the way the business works. And I, and I said this to Ketchmark. I said, you don't understand the intricacies of our business. And he said, what do you mean? I've been studying your business for four years. Okay, sure. Listen, I would never claim to understand the Sherman Act to right. the extent he does or to understand the legalities or how to perform in a courtroom to the extent he does. But he should never claim to understand real estate to the extent I do. And if he does, we can debate all day. I'll beat him all day long, right? Part of how that they're spinning that is they're looking at some for sale by owners. They're looking at properties with lower commission amounts. And I tackled this in my last video, okay? Part of the way that they're doing that is they're saying, well, look, this property offered less commission. So the, and the property took an extra 30 days to sell, 50 days to sell. What they're failing to mention is, was that property fairly uh, properly marketed? I doubt it, right? You can't market it to the, no discount brokerage is going to market a property to the extent that Lamakia Realty is, or take, for example, a Kai's in Florida, or a um, John L. Scott in the Pacific Northwest, or add properties. They are not, discount brokerages are not going to market their properties to the extent that companies like ours are. Yeah. Okay, so marketing is the first problem. They can't do it to the extent, number one. Number two, they almost never have the expansive network of brokers. I mean, when companies get big and you have a lot of agents and you market properties to other agents in the brokerage, it's a force, okay? And I used to try to claim, oh, we can compete with that. We had 20 agents. Now that we have 560, I can see, I can't wait till we have 1,000. The more realtors you have, the more people that see the properties, okay? So marketing. The, the network of realtors in your company and out of the company. What about negotiation skills? If a realtor can't even negotiate their own commission, how good do you think they're going to do negotiating top dollar for a home? Not very good, right? So think about that. That's another factor of why that home sold for yeah. less. About, what about just service? You look at a lot of those entry-only companies. You see an agent that's got 40, 50, 60, 100, 200, 300 properties listed. How good are they doing at getting back to people when they get offers? How good are they doing at negotiating for top dollar, positioning a property as if or when there is a lot of action on that property? They cannot do nearly as good. Yeah. They don't mention any of that. They just say property A listed with a low commission sold for 600000 Property B, identical property um, sold for uh, five fifty, dollars or whatever. I'm making up numbers. but And they don't point out. Well, there's a lot of things that are different. There. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you go into a property on a Sunday open house, one of our listings or a listing of one of those companies, they've got beautiful color brochures. They're on thick stock paper, right? They're the whole presentation of the property. We've got drones flying over. We have a whole photography team with drones. Do you think a discount brokerage has that? No, because they can't afford that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You get, you get what you pay for. Yeah like anything in life. Um, and so tell me how has your training changed since the, um, 
you know, commission lawsuits, specifically the Sitzer was adjudicated. Have you, um, are you training more to transparencies? Are you, are transparency in the transaction and how everyone is paid? Are you requiring buyer representation agreements? Tell me a little bit about what you're doing specifically. So most of our training, the, the overarching principles of our trainings haven't mm-hmm. changed. We, okay. We've been teaching this stuff the same way for years. Obviously, given the cases and given the finite details that they are picking apart in our industry, we're highlighting those at training and saying, okay, see how they're saying this? You know, make sure that you're explaining it correctly. Don't fall in that trap. We've also mentioned before, hey, don't don't get aggravated. You know, one of the things they did in that um, Wall Street Journal podcast is they played a recording from a realtor who was talking to someone at Rex Real Estate. And I and apparently that was played in the courtroom. Okay, well, there's 1.6 million realtors. There's 2.7 million licensed real estate agents in the United States of America. As I said in one of my videos, can you find... 10 or 20 or 10 or 20,000 or maybe 30,000 that say the wrong thing. Of course, like any business, go to a restaurant with 50 waiters. Someone's going to answer a question the wrong way or like what happened on that phone call. People get frustrated. They get a little defensive about money that they want to make. And they make snide comments like, I won't show your property. I'm I'm not going to work with you. As if that damn realtor who made that stupid comment could even really do that. I mean, let's be real. Let's really think that through. You're going to hide a property. Tracy, if I was working with you and your husband, if I come out of sales retirement, I, you know, I haven't sold a home myself or worked with a client directly since 2011. If I was going to work with you and your husband to buy a house in Arizona and we go to some suburb of Scottsdale and there's 10 homes for sale in that neighborhood, could I hide a property from you and your husband in this age? You go on your phone, you have 19 different websites that you can see every home for sale. In fact, you can even see properties that are in uh, pre-foreclosure, properties that recently went pending, properties that recently sold. So even if that realtor who made that snide comment on that phone intended to not work with that agent, can they really do that? No, because the days of hiding things for buyers when they are on the open market. That's something I want to point out, okay? I see people on Twitter or other places try to say, well, Anthony, you guys talk about off market properties. Okay, I understand. When we sign up listings, okay, and a seller says, I don't want to go on the market for three weeks, but please do market it within your company. If we get the correct form signed with the MLS, we are allowed to do that. And we can market it within our company and we can tell buyers we have properties that aren't listed yet, off market but once they are on the open market, there is no hiding properties from buyers. Not happening. So, you know, did I point some of that out in our trainings just to say, hey, don't ever be one of these agents who gets aggravated and makes stupid comments? Yes, of course I did. Yeah. No. Um, but the overarching principles, no. Did it give me an excuse to push a little harder on, hey, get buyer contracts signed? You know, when you have... Mm-hmm. either a buyer agency agreement signed or a buyer contract. Like for example, in the state of Florida, they don't use agency. We operate in Florida, as you know. Okay. It get, did it give me as the leader an excuse to say, guys, you get these agreements signed, easier to get paid, easier to make sure that you never have a client that comes back and says, I wasn't clear, you know, so did it give me that excuse. Yes. I mean, look at the state of New Hampshire, state of Connecticut. Buyer agency agreements are mandatory under law. 
I wish Massachusetts, who's right in between those two, where I'm sitting right now, our 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 main state. Uh, I wish that was law, but it's not. Yeah. You know. Well, I want to switch gears and talk about your business a little bit. I know that you've done some M and A um, in the past year. But what is your growth plan for 2024? Are you still still doing some M and A? Are you focusing on organic growth, um, expansion? Tell me a little bit about what your what your plan is. Tracy, I was in uh, my office this morning with my vice president of finance, who's uh, uh, one of my closest friends in the world that I grew up with, Sarah. And I, my general counsel, was in there, and I said, "Guys, have we ever had more irons in the fire for acquisitions?" I said and nothing is coming to fruition. I feel like we're in this pause period. I said, watch, we're going to get after the holidays. Mm -hmm. And five of these 10 that we're working on are going to call and say, we're ready to go. And I'm going to say, well, we can't do five at once. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. We did three. We did July, August, September. We had three acquisitions um, down on Cape Cod and then Southeastern Massachusetts. We had two in Bristol County. They've gone very well. We brought on over 100 wonderful realtors into the company. And then since then, we've probably brought on another 20 or 30 in those offices. Uh, so they've gone very well. I will admit we've learned a couple things the hard way. There's a few things we should have did better, a couple trips in certain areas. But we really brought on some great people, um, and we're excited to bring on more great people. I fully expect that we will be closing additional acquisitions this winter. Uh, signed at this moment on December 5th when we're recording here, but um, I have many irons in the fire and I expect more acquisitions. And then we're continuing on organic recruiting, which we've been particularly good at uh, for a long time, but I'll admit I'm somewhat distracting our recruiters with acquisitions. So <laughs> we're balancing that, yeah. you know, uh, but it's like anything else. I mean, when you do things, you're going to make a couple mistakes. We make corrections. And I think this pause period is serving us well. But I will be very surprised if by the end of January, we haven't onboarded at least one more company. Great. Um, my last question is just what's next um, for Lamakia companies, all of, you know, Crush It in Real Estate and um, your real estate company? Well, one of the things that we did this year with Crush It in Real Estate, which was new, is we opened up coaching specifically to large team leaders and broker mm -hmm. owners. And we had an event. It wasn't a cheap event to go to, but for the value they got in return, I think it was cheap uh, yeah. this summer. Uh, and we had about 12 people come and uh, we opened up our playbook on recruiting, on retention, on operations, on lead management. Uh, and those folks really seemed to get a lot out of that. And then I did five months of coaching with seven of the 12 that came and that's ending this month. And we're going to have another event next summer. So that's something that's new on the Crush It side. We have our, our annual Crush It in Real Estate event on February 1st here in Boston at the Heinz Convention Center. We had mm -hmm. a earlier this year, we had 735 realtors and many special guests. You are invited, Tracy. I don't know if you want to Great. go to Boston in February, but you're invited. Uh, and then on the Lamakia Realty side, more of the same. We're going to continue to acquire other companies, continue to organically recruit, continue to improve on our processes and procedures and you know, uh, continue to work hard to keep the culture that we have, to keep the family feel that we have. I remember when we had 35 agents, people used to say, well, when you go over 100, good luck keeping that culture, you won't. That's a bunch of crap. Our culture got stronger. And then when you go over 200, 300, 400, 500, our culture got stronger and stronger. I will admit when you onboard people in large groups, 
and they have their own culture at a company, bringing them in, acclimating them to our culture. In some cases, takes a little more time than an organic recruit who spent six months learning about us. Remember that. An organic recruit, they spent months learning about us before they came over. When it's an acquisition and I have to walk in the room, and by the way, it's awkward for us too, and say, hi, I, you know, now we're the owners here. That few-month learning curve starts then. But I'll tell you, when you bring in like-minded companies, like-minded leadership, they acclimate. And it makes us stronger. So on the Lamarckie Realty side, we're just going to keep swinging, my friend. We're going to keep swinging. We want to grow more in New, here in New England. We're very determined to grow more in Florida, in particular at this moment, South Florida. But I have said to you, uh, I can't wait till we're in every major city in Florida. I think it's an incredible market. Florida has a larger addressable market than all of New England put together. And yeah. I love how there's less seasonality. I love how... There's more transitions. Yeah. Like up here in the Northeast, people buy a house. Sometimes they stay there 30 years. That's less likely. People are more transient in Florida. So for our, my Florida broker owner friends and competitors, we're going nowhere. We're going to grow all over the state, but we're really focused in South Florida for now. Well, let me know when you come to Central Florida. I'll uh, I'll come to your new office. So We're excited <laughs> to do that at some point, my friend. All right. Well, Anthony, thanks so much for joining the Real Trending Podcast. Um, we really appreciate your insight and your passion about the industry. Well, Tracy, thank you. And I want to add a couple words here for a moment. Um, full disclosure, Tracy and I got to know each other when she was working with Real Trends uh, with Steve Murray years ago. I was fortunate to get to know her, or her, but what you guys are doing, melding together Housing Wire and Real Trends, I think is working out very well. I like the news that you're putting out. I read all the articles uh, and I'm impressed with it. So I congratulate you guys on a great success in working together. And I look forward to being at your event in April in Phoenix. I know you guys are putting those together next year and I will be there. And I think we talked about me being on stage. Yes, absolutely. And it's actually Scottsdale. So we're going to be in Scottsdale and um, oh, yes. Anthony definitely want you to speak for us on stage so looking forward to that i'm thrilled to hear it'll be in scottsdale and i'm already booked and coming out so i'm excited all right thanks anthony thanks tracy thank you for listening to real trending if you haven't already we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment and we will see you next week with more news and insights